This is the Calvary Bible Church Podcast. Thanks for listening in today. We're praying this message encourages you. Learn more about Calvary and join us online each Sunday for services at calvarybible.com. Thanks for tuning in to Calvary Bible Online this weekend. We're glad that you're with us. Before we start our next series called Battle Ready and Living Out Our Life According to Ephesians chapter 6, we thought it would be good to take a week all across our campuses to just have a family chat together, to talk about where we are as a church and where we've been over the last year and celebrate some of the things that God has done. So here's what we want to do today. We want to look back over the last year and have a celebration of all the ways that God has worked in our church over the last year. We also want to remind ourselves as a church of who we are and what we are unchangingly committed to as a church, and then try to understand the moment we're in. This is my wife Lucy's favorite COVID t-shirt, and she wears this um, all the time with lots of responses. In fact, a couple weeks ago, we took a couple days away from Colorado to warmer climates and hiked for a couple days down in Arizona. And one day while she had that shirt on on the trail, she must have been stopped 15 times with somebody saying, I love that t-shirt. Or I have no idea what day it is. Or the type A people probably five times saying, it's Thursday, it's Thursday, it's Thursday. And the whole sense of humor was lost on them. But I love that shirt because the last year has simply led us to the place where we say, I have no idea what day it is. It's so confusing. And we want to take a little moment as a church together to think about the moment that we're in. And we want to begin by celebrating some of the fantastic things God has done over the last year. It was in the last year, um, last March actually, that we had to make a major shift as a church. And when we did, our whole ministry changed to having services online in the same way that you're watching it today. We went from online services, something that we had never had before, to reaching a whole group of people, masses of people that we had never reached before. And then in the fall, we moved to on-lawn services, and hundreds of people came, and you might remember being out on the lawn together celebrating outside church as Calvary Bible. And then we moved to home church, and more than 1,000 people signed on to be a part of the home church experience. And we loved what was happening as we gathered in homes, meeting together, talking about the sermon, praying for one another. So many tremendous things happened in the home church experience. We did prayer nights in the month of December, nine services across all of our campuses in the month of December, just praying for God to be at work and to do great things. And we saw many prayers answered. We did drive-through communion services where people could come up break bread and drink the cup and celebrate the Lord's death in their car. I just love that our teams worked together to put that together. And then you might remember that we did candles and caroling out on the lawn with fire pits. That was an awesome experience. And all of those changes that happened in the last year, I just want to say thank you to all the teams that made that happen and for the flexibility that you showed to move into these different formats at a church. But beyond all those mechanisms and strategies, we saw God work. People came to Christ in the last year. Um, 
In the home churches, we had several people give their life to Jesus. In one home church, I think it was during the series in the book of Acts, uh, at the end of home church, the group stood up to leave. And as they were leaving, one of the young men in the, in the group said, can we just hold on a second? I don't think I'm a Christian, actually. And everybody stopped, and the leader of the home church began to talk with him and shared the gospel more clearly and asked if he would like to receive Christ. And he knelt down on the patio in the backyard and prayed to receive Christ with all of his home church laying hands on him. It was a beautiful experience. We've had more than uh, about 30 people baptized in the ministry of Calvary during COVID, six of those at the New Thornton campus. During all of this year, God has protected us by his grace through COVID. Uh, we've not had a major eruption of the virus in our congregation. We're thankful for that. We've had uh, opportunities to serve in our community, not as many as we might have liked, but we did a food drive on all of our campuses and blessed our community. We even did a toilet paper drive, if you remember that, in the very early days. And then in December, we collaborated together to give to the heart of Advent, and we received, by the generosity of God's people, $85,000, which right now is being distributed to the needs of children in our three communities who are falling behind because of COVID. I love that that happened in our church. And in addition to that, we give praise to God for his grace to our church. Our congregation has been faithful and generous in their giving throughout all of this year so that we really believe we're going to be on target for our year end that happens at the end of March next month. And let's not forget what happened in January of 2020 when we knocked on a door in Thornton trying to meet the churches of the city we thought God was calling us to, and we found a group of people there who wanted to give us their building. And they gave it to us in March, and we closed in April. We refurbished the building in the summer. We began to meet in person on the lawn in the fall. And now we have a congregation of more than 125 people meeting each Sunday. Is God not great? I think about all these things that have happened and our heads have probably been down in the sand trying to survive all of this, but God has been working. Additionally, we've been in communication with all of our missionaries around the world and we've been supporting them and continuing to give to them and knowing that God's work is happening in some very remote places and you've been a part of that as God has continued his work in the church. What kind of day is today? What day is it? It's a day to celebrate all that God has done. But it's also a hard day. There are troubles. These are hard times. And to help us frame the way we should think about the hard times, I want you to grab your Bible and open with me to the book in the New Testament called 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Because the day in which we live we do see God's blessing, but we see many challenges. I thought it would be good for us to look at this text where Paul, speaking to the church in Corinth, each of them were experiencing very difficult times. And so what he wrote to them in times of trouble will be instructive for us. Second Corinthians chapter 1, let's just read verses 3 and 4. Blessed 
be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. I love that Paul begins this letter to the Corinthians with a benediction. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because it was a hard time, he writes verse 3. Let's begin by giving praise and blessing and honor and glory to God. And he gives God three names. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why is that significant as a title for God in times of trouble? I just think it underscores that God understands trouble. He understands suffering. He understands hardship and affliction because he's the father of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know that the Lord Jesus Christ came into this world precisely to suffer affliction and even to die on our behalf. When Paul uses that title of God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, it should resonate with us that Paul is trying to get our minds on a God who understands suffering. And he is the Father of mercies. All mercies flow from God. He's the very source of kindness so that people don't receive what they deserve. That's what mercy is. He doesn't give us what we deserve. He's the Father, the source, the flow of mercy to us. And he is the God of all comfort. All comfort comes from him. I think these three names that Paul puts in the opening benediction help us understand the God that we're talking about who comforts us in all of our affliction. That's the first part of verse 4. He comforts us in our affliction. How does he do that? How does God, who is the source of all comfort, meet us in those things? Well, it's clear that God sometimes gives us an overwhelming sense of his presence. Sometimes he reminds us of the words that he has spoken to us. Sometimes um, he gives us an internal sense of hope for a better future. And always He's assuring us of his presence, of his awareness of our suffering, and that sometimes he has purposes in our affliction that we don't know about right now. That's the way God is. He's overflowing with mercy to help us. But these are hard times, and sometimes we go through these hard times, and we have to remind ourselves, that's our God. He's the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the endless source of mercy And he's the God who comforts us in any and all of our affliction. All, that word affliction is the word troubles. So God is with us in all our troubles. You might ask the question, why then? Why do we suffer? Well, the rest of this passage, particularly verse 4, tells us why God allows us at times to go through sufferings. So I want this last year to be in your mind. We celebrate God's blessings, but all of us could think of the suffering experiences that we've been in for 2020 and even into this year. 
He comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. I have a friend named Jeff who, in talking with him about this passage, said there are three things in here that are really core design principles. He simply says that there are a couple ideas in this text that are baked into the life experience of every Christian. And the first of these is simply this, that blessings that we experience inspire grace to serve other people. In other words, we receive blessings from God, his comfort in our lives, and that inspires us to have others in our mind, even in, but particularly after, our troublesome, afflicted experience. So we receive grace, and we're blessed by it. But by God's design principle, our receiving that grace is intended to be bestowed on other people who similarly experience the need of grace. So I would just ask you the question, um, if you've experienced grace, do you have this internal sense of wanting to share it with others? Or how has God served you in the last year by carrying you through some difficult times, which he might want you to share with others in their life? It is God's design principle that he comforts us that we might be able to comfort others. We have grace to give grace. The second design principle is just the other side of the coin, and that is that suffering and hardship in life should never go to waste. God has designs for the year that we've been in as a church. As people all over the world have had trouble, God has a design for that. And it is that we would go through that experience, any affliction, and then be able to bring comfort to others who are in that. So have you suffered through the last year in your particular way that's going to uniquely qualify you to help others who will also go through it? Remember, this word is a general word of trouble. Some of us have had trouble. We've had trouble with addiction or abuse, or financial reversal, or sickness, or fear, anxiety, death. We've all had those troubles, and some of us are still in them and praying for God's comfort. But when God brings that, I just want you to know that those experiences are not intended to be lost or wasted in any way. God gives us grace that we would be the conduit through that grace flows to other people in their suffering. Two times in the last several years, women at our church have come to me to say, I'm a recovered alcoholic, and I've been sober for X number of years, in one case, 10 years. And I just want you to know, Pastor, if you come into contact with another woman in our church who needs help, I would be happy to meet with her. 
I love that. That is the picture of the comfort you've received able to be bestowed on someone else. And I've deployed both of those women in our congregation to others who need it. So when you're in a suffering position, I just want to remind you, as we all have had our troubles in this year, those troubles are not wasted with God. His plan is that we would experience that and then in that extend the help and experiential knowledge that we've learned to others to serve them. And I suppose if there's one more core principle, it's this, that this verse teaches us that we were made for contribution to the lives of others, not just consumption. And as I've thought about our church over the last year, we've been set up as a church to watch things online and just to take it in, and it's been hard for us in many ways to participate in the ways we might otherwise want to. I want to remind you that it is a divine principle that we, as people of the church of God, were made for contribution into the lives of others. It's what Ephesians 2.10 says. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Some of the ways we walk in hard times in this passage is to bring glory to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to bring glory to the God who gives mercy to people, to bring glory to the God of all comfort by ourselves being the source of comfort to other people. I love this passage. I love this passage because it really is parallel to our own mission statement as a church. It's why the I love our mission statement. Here it is. You read it out loud where you are. We're building Christ-centered communities of people fully devoted to loving God and loving others. Everything about 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 is about community. It's about being in relationship with each other to comfort one another in trouble and to celebrate God's goodness when that occurs and when we can see it. And you can't celebrate by yourself. You, you can, but it's not as much fun. And you certainly can't help others if you're alone. I love that our mission statement is we're building a community of people. We're actually building communities now in Boulder, and Erie, and Thornton, and online. We have communities of people who love God and love one another. I thought it would be important for us as a church to just take today and say, we want to remind ourselves of our mission. That mission statement is what we are all about. It is the mission we've been involved in for all these years and which God has preserved us in for the years that we've been worshiping together. And it is exactly what our world needs now. There are so many people who don't have the community of the church, the community of people who know there's a God who's merciful, and they are suffering alone during these dark days. And I just want to remind you, the uniqueness that we possess is that we've tasted mercy, we've tasted grace, we've tasted comfort. So we are in the unique position 
to be able to extend that to the world. And that's why out of our mission to be that kind of community that deeply loves God and deeply loves other people, we're committed to these three things. We want to make disciples. We want to lead people to know Jesus so that they follow him in their life and they hear what he has taught and they observe everything that he's commanded. That's discipling. And we want to multiply leaders and people who want to serve others. So we we want to empower leaders in our community and then multiply the church, extend the church to every place that God leads us. And I'm so thankful that we've been able to do that during COVID because he's a God of mercy. That's happening for us. So what day is today? What is the moment we're in? I just, I know you know, the world needs the church more than ever. But one of the things we've noticed as we've begun to worship in the room again, about half of us are back in the building, is that things are different. Things are going to be a little bit different. And part of the mission of our church is to reimagine what church can be on the other side. What will it be like? It won't be like it was before. It'll be a little bit different. We, we need to reimagine the, the ministries that God's going to call us to in these days. We know it'll be rooted in the greatness of God and the gospel of Christ, but it'll be different. What day is today? The one thing that's unchangeably the same is we're Christ-centered. And we love people because we love God. We want to make disciples and raise up leaders and servants and multiply the church. We have six values as a church that sort of guard and shape the way we do our ministry. It's sort of a lens that we put things through as a church when we think about will we embark on this ministry or that ministry? And I want to remind you what they are because in a changing world and a troubled world, we cling unchangingly to a couple things. Number one is that we want to live under the Bible's authority as a church. So as you're meeting where you are, whether you're alone or in a home church, you know that one of the commitments of our church is to be biblical, to open the scriptures and say, where is it written? What has God said? We want to live under his authority in everything in our life. I think the last series that we looked at The I Am series challenged us in that, to hear the words of Jesus and say, we believe that. The second shaping value for us is that we're devoted to prayer. We believe that more happens because we pray and ask God to do what he wants to do. We are where we are today because we've prayed for God to work. You'll remember we prayed in 2019 for 130 days. And I think we're still seeing some of the benefit and fruit of that in our lives. We love one another as a church. That's the third value. Is it like we love one another? We're committed to relationships that reflect the way God loves us. And we have challenges to do that. Because if this last year has shown us anything, it's that we don't all agree on much of anything. We have differences about the way we see certain things in the world. And we've been tested in that as a church. It's been challenging to lead and to keep loving one another well during all of the pressures that we felt in the last year. 
So as we come back in the room, here's one of the things that we, we've grappled with. There's a contingent of people who say we should wear masks all the time, even when we take a shower. And there's others who don't want to come to church if we have to wear a mask. And I just want to say to those of you who are in either camp or somewhere in between, as we all are, let's love one another. Let's love one another. That's what shapes us as God's people. The fourth value that shapes us is we pursue holiness in our life. One of the ways that we stay in step with the Holy Spirit is we pursue holiness. We, we know that none of us are perfect. We all stumble in many ways. But when we say we are his church, we are committed to living in a way that reflects his life, the life of Jesus. So we pursue holiness. Fifth, we grow in generosity. We grow as people who understand that all that we have comes from God, and so we give generously of our time and our talents and all of our resources. We, we understand that everything we possess is a gift of his grace, and we want to be faithful in that. Again, I thank you for the way you've been faithful in giving when we haven't been meeting. It's been such a blessing. And if you haven't been challenged in the area of your own stewardship and generosity, I would just say one of our values is let's grow in generosity. Pray and ask God, how will you grow in that area of your life so that the mission of Calvary can go on? So the building of a Christ-centered community here and there in places that God leads us will in fact happen. And the last value that guides us is that we're all committed to sharing the gospel. We, we say we want to be confident to be able to say some of those statements we just looked at in Jesus, the I am series. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but by me. I am the door. He who enters through me will be saved and have eternal life. Neither is there salvation in any other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved except the name of Jesus. We want everyone at Calvary to feel a sense of confidence. I can share this good news because it is the power of God to save people. And that's what we're about. Do you get those six? We want to be guided in our life as a church. So what is the moment that we are in? We have a lot to celebrate. And these are tough days. But we want to be unswervingly committed to our mission, which is to make Christ known in the world, to build communities of people who love God and love others, share the gospel, and make others known. I don't know what the church will look like, and I don't know what the future looks like, but what day is it? It's our day. It's the church's day. The church is uniquely God's expression of his desire to accomplish his will in the world. And I want to ask you to recommit yourself to being in step with the mission of God through Calvary, wherever it takes you, in work, in your play, in your neighborhood, in your small group, wherever God leads you. I want to ask you to take a step forward. If we were all meeting together in the building right now, I would just say, who's with me? Will you stand? 
But you're sitting there where you are. That's good. But will you pray? God, I want to be in step with you to do what you want to do through the church that you promised to build. I want to encourage you to join us. Why? Because you really are the God of all grace, all mercy, all comfort, and of eternal life. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you have given us this moment to live. We are living in a day that we need you to guide us. And we want to represent you well in the world. We want you to be known through the church that you're building, that we're a part of. And so I pray that you will shape our lives through the scriptures, that you will build our faith through prayer, that you will deepen our love for one another, that you will awaken our hunger for righteousness and holiness, that you will release from our hands all the resources that you need to do what you want to do in the world, and that you will give us a boldness to say in this troublesome day that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Oh, Father, build a Christ-centered community of people who love you and love each other and make you known in the world. This is what we pray for because you are the blessed God of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are the one who deserves all glory. This is what we pray for in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.